Welcome to the Old Doctor Who Show. We have a very, very special episode of the Old Doctor Who Show. Uh, you know when you would watch uh, After School Special or something, they'd have a very special episode. Hello, I'm Conrad Bain. And something Are we going to learn a lesson today, We're going to learn a lesson. Something okay. terrible is going to happen. We are, <laughs> <No>. <laughs> we are here. We have an interview with uh, one of our favorite listeners, uh, one of our mm-hmm. favorite audio actors now. This is, yes. yeah, we're talking to Conrad Westmus. Uh, you know Conrad as an actor for his role in Carez. And I know I'm getting the pronunciation on that it's wrong close, or incorrect, right? but it's I think close. I've been working a little. Carez, Carez. Uh, you'll see him alongside <laughs> India Fisher and Paul McGann in the Big Finish Doctor Who Monthly Adventures. Now, he's recently returned uh, to the epic four part series, Santarans vs. the Rutans, which I hope you've all purchased. Uh, we did a review on that. I would encourage you all to listen to that. Mm-hmm. We know Conrad is Hair of the Hound, one of the longest running, <clears throat> if not the first to contact us, possibly the first. Yeah. One of the first, yeah. Uh, in uh, TODWS history, he's joining us live now mm-hmm. via satellite from the BFI's presentation of Horror of Bang true. Rock with Louise Jameson. Conrad, welcome. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much. <laughs> yeah, it's been it's been comical trying to find Wi-Fi, trying to find a quiet spot. So I've just come outside. So I'm currently sitting on the concrete. I can see the Thames in front of me. But yeah, I'm fresh from the screening of a horror fang rock at BFI. So I'm how did it go? Vibrating. Yeah, it was it was amazing. I and mean, these BFI screenings now, you will have seen the BFI before, both of you, because when. Yeah. Pertwee and Joe Grant are running away from Obron's. It's around all this brutalist 60s architecture here. So this is where oh. it's also a Doctor Who location. But yeah, today, we, um, whenever they release a collection set, a Blu-ray set, they do a screening here at the BFI, which is kind of amazing because it's like the biggest film and TV archive place smack bang in the middle of London. And, uh, and my partner today when he left saying, and they're showing this old stuff from the 70s that was shown <laughs> once with like a, is that the one with the green balloon in it, slimy balloon? I'm like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> this country, but yeah. But it was very, very exciting, and uh, they play it with new effects, the new versions. They show bits of documentaries, and they have Louise Jameson and some of the cast. So I've just seen Louise Jameson. I'll send you some photos as well. Oh yes, please do. Very exciting, now, lovely. So they very do like exciting. a and A. They have like a Q and A presentation. Yeah. Uh, that's Full awesome. Q and A. Yeah, these things last about four hours. It's like it's a real... Oh, my goodness. Yeah, yeah, it's a real event. They, they do it from 12 till 4, so you just can't eat. So we're all hysterical. It's, um, <laughs> yeah, it's an amazing event. So I feel like, quite appropriately, I come live from the heat of root and battle, which is, you know... Absolutely. The, uh, the first appearance, right, of the uh, root. That, that I love... I just... I, we talked about it on the show. I've been re-watching Tom Baker's run. That episode is so, or that story anyway, is so great. Mm-hmm. I, love, I love the feel of it. How very interesting. The, 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 the atmospheric. The it's just, it's oh boy. All yeah. the yeah. acting is great. It's one of my favorites. And when you put them, when you, an interesting thing happens. These Doc 2 shows you've seen a million times. When you slap it up on a big screen I with know. a real audience and turn the lights off, you really see where yeah. the laughs are, where the drama is, where the suspense is. It's, um, it does something. Oh, wow. Do they, edit, no, that's a, do they edit together as like one presentation with the credits removed? or In, in front through? of 500 Doctor Who fans, you do not take a pair of scissors to any second of those credits. So we you watch, you. Right, so you watch yeah. each, each intro, each outro, yeah. and then the next yeah. one just really starts. Yeah, 
Yeah, oh, that's it's awesome. like watching TV. I have to say, I listen, and, and thank you, like I am like, yeah, I've done audio, I've done all that kind of stuff. But the real thing is like, I am a long time listener of the old Doctor Who show. <laughs> and as I can't, this is very, very surreal. Working with Paul oh. and the TARDIS, nuts to that. And also, <laughs> this is the do, real action. Um, You've now got the video. So, of course, I watch it on my TV. And anyone who's appeared on your TV is just famous. So I'm just mm. starstruck right now. No, it's so funny. <laughs> no, you saw a real star. Yeah, but yeah really. Listened, In Louise. As prep, I thought, I know, I'll listen to the, the old Doctor Who show review of the Horror Fang Rock to prepare oh. for this. And it was, uh, it was very interesting. The first 20 minutes is Eric. <laughs> Ranting about why sneakers, why kids throw sneakers over the power line. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> big sneaker. It's all conspiracy theory you need, but I thoroughly recommend that. Oh, that's amazing! Well, wow, it's, wow, it's funny you say that because for on this side of the fence, for Dan and I, it's super strange and wild that you're in the Doctor Who universe, and we had talked to you several times. You would, so many times. You would send us emails, and they would be like. Oh my, oh, there's a picture of like a set, like you're at the set of one of the storylines or you got it. Oh, you know, here, here's a sign. Here's a signed here's a autograph sign of from, a fine photo uh, from, with Ace that's writing, writing us a thing. And then we're thinking like, this guy's a really big fan, like having no idea that you're involved in the world. And then like a very like the, the sixth sense moment where all the pieces come together yeah. and he's been in it all along. Right. What? So, it's a very Shyamalan sort of. Dan, yeah. Dan dropped his coffee mug and it's <laughs> finding all the pieces on the wall. Yeah. I know who Kaiser Sose is. It's amazing. It's a, it was it very cool. It is a, it's a double, I have got, it's this, I'm Spider-Man pointing myself. It is that double. Yes. Because I am a, like a huge Doctor Who fan. Probably of course, yeah. Almost. And then also, I was very lucky and happened to, to get involved in it. So yeah, it's a re- very strange double life. But like, I go to conventions, and but I sometimes go to vent- conventions to get autographs. And then later on this year, I'm. It's very strange going to, to conventions. On the other side, it's like you're at Disney World and you're one of the rides. It's like it's yeah, like, right. Well, that I wanted to ask you that. So like, you've been into Doctor Who since you were a kid. Did it? When yeah. did you first sort of discover it? Yeah, I mean, I discovered it very early on. My sister was five years older than me, um, and so she was really watching it. But it's the first thing I can re- the first thing I can remember of anything is the sea devils coming out of the sea. And I looked for when it was, and it was a repeat in, and I was just about three, and it's the first thing I can remember of anything. But my, and I remember little bits of Pertwee, but basically everything from Tom Baker onwards. My first season was like Giant Robot, Genesis of the Daleks, and I was just like. Bam! So it was like Tom Baker's my doctor, Sarah Jane's my companion. Yeah. So and I, I yeah I just never missed an episode since. So, so was it was a thing like you said. Where are you actually from originally? Or were, yeah. Were... So I grew, I grew up in the West Country, uh, which okay. is like near Glastonbury and all that kind of stuff. I mean, so in the country, but in the seventies. Mm-hmm. So I'm fifty three, um, and in the seventies we had three channels, and yeah. one of those was sort of unwatchable. So all the kids just watched Doctor Who. I mean, Every kid watched Doctor Who. It was just that kind of monoculture um, mm-hmm. uh, in a good way. Um, so it was just like if you had kids, they would watch Doctor Who unless they were too scared because a lot of kids at school, their parents wouldn't let them watch it because of yeah. nightmares and bedwetting and stuff. So was Doctor Who your first sort of uh, entryway into science fiction type stuff? Because I know you're also a huge Star Wars fan. Like, yeah. did Star Wars come first for you, or was it Doctor Who? Nah, it was always, always Doctor Who. And I, I consider myself very lucky that it was, uh, you know, when I was three or four, it was Tom Baker and Sarah Jane. Yeah. And mm-hmm. then when I was about seven, Star Wars came out. So, again, oh, yeah. perfect age. Um, I think there was a little time where Star Wars did, when I got into, like, one of the, 
when Return of the Jedi was coming out, Star Wars did, you know, and Tom Baker left, Star Wars started to steal my heart a little bit. But mm. And I love Star Wars dearly, just the original ones. Uh, but no, it's always been Doctor Who. It's always... That's an interesting thing, like thinking about like American culture versus English culture here, at least in my experience, I'm sure Dan would match it. Science fiction, things like that, like Doctor Who was not well liked or respected. Like that was sort of outsider, you know, people. No, what what would we have had around the same time? We had a very similar sort of monoculture in that uh, we had we had the three major broadcast networks. Buck Buck Rogers, Rogers, maybe um, Galactica. But those things. For me, were like things that I would be interested in, but nobody at school. You'd have to seek them out yeah. too. Absolutely, yeah. it was yeah. like that's that, that was the place you found comfort from the lunacy of the the why. You know, normally you'd be hunted for sport uh, when you when you would throw like a. <laughs> is that the same experience that you had? It sounds like it was more of it was a, like a nicer sort of place to grow yeah, up. Do, do, oddly. Doctor Who is here, kind of a cozier thing. So my partner's from the States, and he mm-hmm. always says he remembers Doctor Who, PBS, watching yeah. yep. the end yeah. of Sesame Street, and he's like, great. And then this is the ti- Tom Baker title sequence would come on, and he'd run screaming from the room going, turn it, turn it, turn it. Yeah. <laughs> it's the opposite here. It was basically, Doctor Who is designed to fill in a gap between the football, which is on Saturday afternoons that all the dads would watch, and then the sort of the evening entertainment, and it's that sweet spot where traditionally your mum were making was mum was making the tea or the dinner or whatever. Right. That's when. So it's here. It's got a very homely, very fond memories. Everyone's very. We we remember watching it with your mum, with your dad, and they got you dinner, and it was very tea time, cozy, cuddle up. So it was scary, but the scary was kind of like cuddle up to you know hide behind the sofa, mm-hmm. cuddle up to your friends. So people feel very fondly of it here. So it's a very yeah, it's, it's amazing. Yeah. So your which is your weird parents when you watch it. It's right, terrifying, you know. Yeah. yeah, your parents were also your your dad, mom, science fiction fans as well. No, it was just it was just they were mum and dad, and it was and, and kid. You know, you make the tea, the kids are watching Doctor Who. It's just what ha- it's like the Muppet Show. It's like one of those. It's just like a cozy time of evening. Where mm-hmm. they, they were, oh my god, my dad was horrified. I like he's like <laughs> science, fact, honestly. And I was just like. No, I want Star Wars, I want space, I want all that kind of stuff. So no, but they've been very tolerant of it over the years because they just realized oh, we've lost it. We've- so you have like this science fiction, Star Wars, Doctor Who background. That's sort of, it sounds like it's been in your blood since you were three or four. When did you like sort of decide that you wanted to be an actor? Like how did the acting thing, and not even just the, even the Doctor Who stuff, is that something you were pursuing separately and then the two worlds met or how did that happen? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, so I think it was at school, I decided I had a very, one of those teachers that really is amazing. So I had a fantastic teacher. Um, and when I was at school, it really got me through school. I just like, I was terrible at like anything factual or si- math, science, all that kind of stuff, but drama yeah. and art and all that kind of stuff. Mm. Uh, so I threw myself into that and I wanted to become an actor. And I kind of threw it away for a while. But then later on, it just came back. I was like, no, I really want to do it. So quite late, I was in my late 20s, I just went to drama school. Yeah, you know, trained as an actor and then worked as an actor from like, you know, doing like little plays above a pub to like, you know, and, and then just sort of did mainly theatre and stuff. And then I got a job on Doctor Who magazine because mm-hmm. when you're an actor, you always need a side job. You always need a day mm-hmm. job. Yeah. And, um, and basically I'd worked in for 20th Century Fox doing licensing and stuff. So I had a little experience of that. So basically I had like five or six months on Doctor Who magazine just helping out. 
And when I left, I was like, oh, I'm getting more acting work, getting more auditions. And I think some dark deal was done in a pub. And they were like, go on, just chuck, chuck him a day. Just shut him up. Give him a day. And I got the audio. So I was like, all my dreams come true. It was a Peter Davison audio called Omega. So I was meeting one of the great villains. And I was like, yeah. But very luckily, yeah. And I'd, I'd never done audio before. So I was just really making it up because it's quite a strain. I was very confident in theatre. I know where I am. I know how it looks and how to sound, how to throw your voice, all this kind of stuff. But like audio is very new, but I was very lucky because in that mm -hmm. play, the character gets like terrorised, possessed by Omega. I get my hand lasered <laughs> off at some point. Wow. And they were like, oh, can you just double for young Rassilon? So it was one of the, it was just, you know, so much of this is just fluke. And it just, the, the, the play I did just had so many different, things that a normal Doctor, Doctor Who companion's got to do and at the right time they were just looking for a new companion for McGann so it all just lined up so that's how so like you've got like so you've run sort of the gamut in acting like theater you mentioned you did theater which I saw there was a uh, note of where you played a uh, sloth a devil and a priest yeah, in I, something called Dr. Faustus oh, but yeah. I, I I'm curious to know like as an actor like because going from the theater verse audio acting like you you mentioned it kind of before but like how projecting your voice and stuff like the skills that you got from the theater and how that applies to audio acting but i'm fascinated as an actor like how you approach a role in the audio space where you don't have facial expressions mm -hmm. you don't mm -hmm. have like pauses i mean i guess you have dramatic pauses but you there's very few like nonverbal things that you can do you can't yeah. interact with the scenery so, like, how do you get in that head, headspace? Because it is a totally different beast. And you do it yeah. really well. Like, like, can you talk a bit about, like, figuring out how to approach a role where it's just your voice? Yeah, it's a really interesting thing. I don't, I don't pretend to have got the hang of it. Like, I was always more, I trained in theatre, so I was always much more comfortable where you, you, could, you could just look at a space and, and you know, I toured and stuff and, and we played outside the Shakespeare festivals and stuff. And I can basically look at a space and go, I can see roughly how much voice this needs. Yeah. I know how to get mm -hmm. to that wall. But in the studio, it's completely different. Um, it's, 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 it, is, it is really, really strange. And it took me a while. I, I, I have to say, I can hear myself learning over time how I did it. Um, it, it is like, you're right, it's completely condensed. There is nothing but the words. There's nothing in the room. It's completely empty. And you just have to kind of imagine that. I think it's the same thing as theatre. Because in theatre, you like you know, you know can see three walls of your set, mm -hmm. but the rest of it is just like, well, it's usually pitch black. You, know, you normally can't see anything, but you can sometimes see the audience. So you are having to use your imagination just to pretend you're somewhere else. And right. so you still use that. But um, it's... It, it, it's so difficult to describe basically th there's a lot of kind of concentration and focus about it but there is a lot of and i remember when india fisher who's now she really is an amazing who plays charlie yep mm -hmm. what a voice you know the best description i've ever heard of india fisher is like she always sounds like she's got a glass of champagne in her hand and that's a <laughs> description that. paul as well i mean he is an incredible voice actor. he's won awards for his voice it's incredible and and time to join that was a lot of kind of pressure but there is a lot of you, you do have to really just focus on, like, they can't see my face, they can't see what I'm doing, but there is a lot of physical stuff in there. Um, mm. I, just, I mentioned India because the first time she did it, she didn't know when to, she just held a breath. Every time she yeah. said a line, she would just hold a breath because she didn't think she could, could do that. And there's other stuff like page, like paper, when the script's on paper, sure. like when to turn your page. And there's little tricks, like Paul taught me this trick. 
if you've got like a five page scene, you're like, well, I've got to turn my pages in the middle of all of this. It's basically page one in your left, two, three, four on the stand, page five in your right, and then you never have to turn the page. It's like oh, these little amazing. tricks and techniques. But um, also, I would say, it's surprisingly physical, especially with Doctor Who, because um, the first time I went in there, they were like, uh, Paul was there to interject, come on, Charlie, run! And the two of them started running on the spot, and I was like... Yeah, oh, so that's, so that's interesting. Yeah. You, you, are, you are in the same space with the actors at the same time recording. Yeah, although sometimes they do nowadays, because I, mean, I, I took a long break from it, but I didn't mm-hmm. do one for 17 years. I came back, and a lot of the directors and actors do re- just beam in remotely. Um, so mm-hmm. we had a mixture, um, but also you do have the other people to play off, and you can. Well, yes, that's, like I feel like that, like your theater, like that's part of the absolutely. whole experience, like being able. That's to the whole that. experience is yeah. is reacting to each other. And so the physical that's stuff's great, and the nice thing is, like you all go in, everything's been quite cool. Like, what are you, yeah, what are you doing at the moment? What kind of act, you know? And Paul is a very cool guy. Three, two, one. The TARDIS is crashing, <laughs> and we are, and everyone is just like you. Just revert to being six years old, and you're throwing yourselves around, and it's amazing. Sometimes you you really like you know you're really stuck to your script, and then you look up and you see another actor's reacting what you're doing, and they're like, and they're sort of like, so it's really physical as well. So it's, is, it's, it's the, is there one. is there any kind of ad libbing going on at all, like when you're in the moment in the scene, or is it very much this is the script that we're we're knocking down? Yeah, they generally, think? yeah, generally there's not much room for ad living it's very kind of you basically rehearse record so you'll just yep. read the scene through so everyone you know all the actors have read it mm-hmm. um, and then you uh then you record it and then generally if there's any pickups or anything the director is not happy with something you go back i'm generally and they sort of say is everyone happy and generally i'm like unless i've done something really that i really think was terrible and unless there's any complaints we move on but it's the the coming back to it now i really realized the focus and the concentration it takes to it's so it's you know you've really got to click 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 you know really there's no no there's no slack and also you are often having to physicalize stuff like oh yeah by the way everyone mm. don't forget you're climbing up rocks yeah so you're like okay and so, so it's very very the, the concentration and focus is like amazing so there's not an awful lot occasionally you'll get a, usually within a, a space of a day someone will tweak a line or two mm-hmm. you know, three or four mm-hmm. lines will get tweaked and if you know your character if there's something you go oh i just don't think this guy would know this could i just how about this so you can make little suggestions but generally it's bam 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 you just concentrate and shoot through well, is that the same way then? You were saying the director checking to make sure everyone's comfortable with their performances and how it went before moving on. Do they, are there times when you have to come back and do ADR, additional recording after the fact in isolation? Or is that usually really just caught at the time in the room together? Yeah, usually cut in the room at the time. That's they're, wonderful. They're often, often the director will stop and go, hang on, I'm just checking something. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I'll do that horrible thing and play you back in your mic. Your camera. Because <laughs> 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 then listening to yourself, you know, who, who doesn't love that? Um, yeah, I love it. Yeah, but, uh, but yeah, gen- no, generally it's all on the fly. I mean, sometimes, I, I do apologize for anyone listening to this. It's quite windy, so I hope you can still hear me. Um, Sorry. Uh, sometimes there are, are bits where they're like, oh yeah, we're bringing in, you know, there's an actor who's got to record on a different day or there's a, there's a mm. scene or a voice effect or something. Um, voice effects are interesting. Generally, again, it's um, if you, this current uh, uh, audio we've just put out, they do little extras and they end up interviews. Yeah. And there's yeah. a moment where you can hear me and Paul in India um, 
<laughs> crashing the TARDIS and we just sound like lunatics because <laughs> we're there's no there's no sound there's no anything right. and like, oh, ah, ah, ah. you're like what? we just sound ridiculous but, but I think when once you've heard your first one and you've heard all the effects you know what you're pitching against so you can really just sort of throw yourself around a bit more well to that point that's really interesting to the point though not just the additional uh, sound effects that will come into it later, which I want to come back to in just a second, but in, in the recording, uh, sorry, in the story that we reviewed, um, there were effects placed on top of a character's voice. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. so that, I'm assuming, is all done after the fact. You get to hear that. How much of that can actually be done Yeah. At, live with it? Or uh, Yeah. Normally, if someone's got a voice effect on them, they, they have to sit in a booth um, mm -hmm. so that their, their, uh -huh. voice, their voice is isolated so that they can mm -hmm. isolate it. Um, the only exception, and nobody told me of this, uh, we did a story called Terra Firma where we, it was the first time I met a classic monster and it was Daleks and Davros. And it was like, I had Davros, oh! Davros to the right of me, Daleks to the left. And, uh, <laughs> and I had my cans on and we were like, okay, we're going to go for take everybody. And nobody told me that for the Daleks and Davros, they do the, it's called oh, the ring really? modulator. They do it in, and honestly... I, took, I said I watched like Genesis of the Daleks when I was three or four. I had this like, oh. I just jumped out of my. Like, how skin do you maintain you... the cool ha, factor that yes. you're not like fanboying out or just like <laughs> out just openly you're... weeping the entire time? You're living <laughs> the dream of uh, the, the yeah. young Conrad. It, it, it is really, really quick. You like to be honest in any audio, or any performance thing, you've always got to just hold your nerve. You have to take a, yeah. take a deep breath. And go and, and prepare like a demon, like it's all. Yeah. You just prepare, prepare, prepare like that, and then just hope to get. You got to trust. Like I've done everything I can do. I'm just going to lay it out there and hope it flies. Um. But yeah, the Doctor Who thing is an added layer because yeah. I've worked with pretty. You know, um, there was there was a story. We did there was a 40th anniversary story. Jesus, that is 20 years ago. Um, where they brought back all the old Doctors, all the old companions. And I offered to read in some of the parts. So I got to work with all these old Doctor and Companions in it. You just That's have to kind of bury, bury it down a little bit, but it's never far from the surface. I'm never, I'm never far from hysteria. When you first, like, when you first got the opportunity, like, they had already had a relationship, right? Like, India and Paul had already done stories together, and you're coming in new. Do you feel like all of that, like, Doctor Who love was almost like a hindrance in a way because there's like you've you you're doing what you love and like did you find that that was getting into you into your head intellectually like second guessing takes and all of that yeah. stuff absolutely yeah. the, the, my first audio I did it with Peter Davison I was kind of really excited but I thought mm -hmm. this is my one day it's really exciting it is what it is Paul in India was a whole different thing and I listened to all of their stories they were also at the time doctor who wasn't on tv so they were the newest yeah. oh sure prestige. everyone loved paul everyone loved india with good reason they were amazing and but they, they'd written this relationship where there was a bit of a doctor companion romance happening between the two of them oh and they needed to kind of nix it and how do you nix it you're getting a big space gooseberry and uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's idea, but it's quite hard to be that person um and the yeah weird fan reaction at the time it was a very mixed bag but there was the so there was the thing of trying to fit in as a character and mm -hmm. make this weird space character work from another universe but i was really worried about paul india and me because it's no, no no longer a two it's a three yeah. and that 
you know, and you know, I had to earn my place, and and, and it was tough. But yeah, that that was a real psych. And I have to say, I have to fully admit, uh, when I recorded that first one, I didn't sleep for more. We recorded it in a week, and I didn't sleep for more than three hours a night that week. Oh God! I've calmed down. So oh yes, yeah. fine. But at the time, yeah. I was totally just. The, the pressure of it was was mm-hmm. me as a Doctor Who fan was huge. Whereas if I was an actor going into like I don't know period drama or something, I probably would have been a bit more chill about it. But I was not chill at all. I was freaking. Can you talk a little bit about the character for people that may not know them? Because it's a brand new character, right? It it didn't exist in the show, so you're basically starting from zero and establishing who this person is. Like, how do you as an actor like? Obviously, it's in the script, but like, how do you find the thing that makes them tick to add on to that like how much of that is done on your own and how much is actually done in collaboration with the director writer other people as well as you come up with the character um it was uh so this character was quite an unusual character basically if you're playing a type um you Mm -hmm. know or or someone from like india she's playing an edwardian uh woman so like you've got some you you know you can kind of draw on it but if it's a character that's completely made up from the ground up from some space Mm -hmm. weird space universe and you know what doc two is like you're like i'm trying to figure out this i'm a doc two fan i'm like i can barely figure out this sci-fi stuff um but no there was no collaboration we just i got in the car and the director just said i want you to use your own voice and i was like okay that's great we're not voice affecting it that's fine so it all came from the script and my Uh first script was a bit of a challenge um, but you just had to take little clues from where you could. So, for instance, they've got that thing where he changes colour, his skin yeah. changes colour, which on audio is a very interesting choice. Um, <laughs> you just have uh, to keep reminding people. Keep reminding people. I'm changing well, I mean, colour right now. Yeah, It, yeah, it played it well. It comes up yeah. and it doesn't feel forced, but yeah, you're right. Not at all, not at all. But, but, you, but um, I was just like, well, he changes colour, so that probably tells you he's more prey than predator. So, like, mm-hmm. okay, he's going to be a little bit back foot. He's a bit unsure. He's not super calm so you just you just make it up yeah but you were really trying to go from little clues and it was a it there was so it was so difficult there was so much experimental stuff going on um they were also like not only is there a new companion but you're they they sent me sent the doctor and charlie into another universe with no tardis no old monsters no time no anything and then this space gooseberry and we were like what so it was very is, is that end space no. Okay. Okay. Because no. I saw there was like N space, and I'm like, is it related to E space? And like, uh, yeah, there's, no, no. there's a lot of there, spaces. There are a lot of alter- alternate universes. <laughs> so where is your character yeah. from? What's their? He's from yeah, he's from a, a, this planet called. Oh god, it's so complicated <laughs> because basically we met on this giant planet that was a composite and been made up of those people who grabbed people from different time zones. So the character is is from a place called Utermes. He's a Utermazon. And yeah, all of these bits of his planet and other planets were like mashed together in this crucible world. I don't really want to get into it. It's mad. Basically, <laughs> he's a space lizard from an alternative universe. Is right. he coming from a place of trauma, which is all often the case, like yeah. lost parents or lost family? In his you first know. story, he had to kill his wife. He oh got turned gosh. into a giant bug creature. It was like, <laughs> there was a lot. Wow. There was a lot. There was a lot to get through. And it was kind of nice because eventually we got back to the ordinary universe, greeted by mm. Daleks and Davros. We got yep. TARDIS. And by that time, the three of us were just like rocking along. Um, I, 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 to be, to, it's just not my taste. I don't like a yeah. lot of backstory, a lot of trauma. I'm, I'm in it for the fun. 
And I think Paul and India and I always like the fun ones. If there's action, mm. running around, yeah. a bit of fun, mm. a bit of wordplay and knocking about, a bit of TARDIS crashing, we generally like the fun ones. So I generally prefer the stories like this one, where it's self-contained, it's an adventure, we land, we fight monsters, don't go wandering off. Right. Okay. Yeah, oh, there we go. Yes, of course. <laughs> I'm just going to go and join them. Um, you know, all that classic Doctor Who stuff. Well, so for you, you're saying that you you enjoy performing in in some of those. Is that the same for you as a fan? I, I'm sure you've heard Eric and I talk about the different types of stories that we like um, as as fans and listeners. Does that line up with your experience of the type of stories you like listening to or, or watching? No, not necessarily, actually. Because we've just watched Horror of Fang Rock, which is really terrifying mm-hmm. and scary and atmospheric yeah. and everybody dies. Um, yeah. And- yeah, it's, yeah, gosh, there is a sep- there is a separation. I think you were, when I listened to your review, you were absolutely right. You clocked it really quickly, as in, this sounds like a classic Doctor Who. Mm. And I think that's right. And I think mm-hmm. generally, the first eight Doctors, you want all of those kind of nice classic beats. And I, I yeah, I, I, it's got to be clear. I want a TARDIS in the beginning. I want a TARDIS at the end. I want the companion wandering off. I do kind of like it classic. Um, I, yeah. I, I, I personally don't like a lot of trauma and angst and backstory and stuff. I, I want fun action adventure. The more straightforward, the better. I got to just point cool. out while, while you're talking, like there's a bridge or something behind you and people keep walking past. And I keep thinking they're Daleks, like going it's, past from the, from the episode. very like that. I'm like, we're on, it's an Dalek invasion of Earth is happening this, right yeah, now. Yeah. With the last story, I know it ends in a mystery. Um, do you have any other plans on more Big Finish stuff or any other acting jobs coming up? Is, is that also your primary li- life is, is, is acting and doing voice acting? Or you do, what other things does Conrad do? What other things does Conrad do? So no, I, mean, I used to, I, like, I, I acted, like, I trained for two years and I acted solidly for 10 years and it was what I did. Like I said, you often had to have a little side job or a side yeah. hustle going. But it was who I was, what I did. It was everything. But I, I, I stopped that you know, 14 years ago. And uh, I haven't done an audio for 17 years until this one we did last year. And it was, it, yeah. it was the first bit of acting I've done in 17 years. So that was kind of like a lot of pressure. Yeah, um, it was like 2007 or so was your last yeah, thing before. Yeah. yeah, my God, yeah. And then, yeah, it was, I just got this call. I, I, to be honest, I did, I did hear... They, and I know the writer, Lizzie Hopley, because we worked in a play together. It was, she played my wife in a play uh, mm. very early on, so I know Lizzie really well. So, yeah, I haven't acted for 17 years until this, so it's really nice. And I didn't know if I could still do it. I know that sounds silly because, like, oh, it's just talking on no, a microphone. Yeah. But it, it's, a, it's a very particular thing. And I did, God, talk about having to really pull my nerve up, as in I haven't done this for 17 years. <sighs> Let's go back in there. But it was great. And, um, and then a couple of other things happened, and I got a call from another audio company, uh, some, again, someone I know, uh, to be in another uh, old franchise called Robin of Sherwood, which was very big here in the mm-hmm. 80s, um, which, again, was dream come true stuff. So I've done a little audio of that that's coming up. There might be a couple of other things coming up. Um, people have asked me, like, oh, is, are you going to do more with Kerry's and this team? There are no plans or scripts or anything right now. I think, that, you know, the door is open. We'll see how this one goes. Um, but uh, I think also their big finish are banking a lot of audios with a lot of the older doctors as they get older. We're just like banking lots. And it lots seems of like it's very, it's doing pretty well. I mean, people they're, love they're it. Right. So, so I mean, if they're in the future, that'd be great. But I genuinely don't know any of any right now. But I would. Do you miss television type acting, or are you interested in television, or even the theater? Like, is there a part of you that still kind of mm. yearns for getting back to that kind of thing? Yeah, I, I hardly ever did any camera work. I hardly, I, 
you know, scrappy TV or film, but never, never very much. It was never really my thing. I, I just didn't get it. I think I was just theatre, and like, it's a certain way of doing it. So in rehearsals, you start not knowing anything. You don't know your lines. You don't yeah. know your character, and you just build it and build it over weeks, and then you've got it. And then on the night, you start at the beginning of the story, and you build it and build it and build it, and it just makes complete sense. TV is nuts. It's like sit in a corner for three hours right. we'll call you when we need you and it's like go 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 and like then it's all out of order i never really got it um mm. audio i kind of liked um do i miss it yeah i do i miss i miss i mean i don't i wouldn't like to live as an actor now because it's a very hard crazy you just never know where you're going you can't really go on holiday it's very unpredictable people smash things um mm-hmm. it's, it's tricky um i i miss the playfulness of it but um I'm very lucky that I'm still in contact with a lot of my actor friends and uh, the Doctor Who thing, you know, again, comes to save the day because this is a thread that's never, never goes away. I mean, I've just been in this thing now and I've got people coming up to me going, oh, you know, we've never met. I've, like, we've bumped into each other for years, but we've never properly met. Da, da, da. And so this Doctor Who thread will be the thing that keeps the acting thing going. So how brilliant. How no, that's brilliant. amazing. So, yeah. And where you are, you're, you're, we talked about you're at the, the BFI you know, presentation of this thing. Are you there as a, as a, just a guest seeing it or are you, is there any promotional yeah. stuff going on for, um, for yeah. the new audiobook? No, I'm just here as a punter. I'm just here to watch my old doctor who on a yeah. big telly with Leela sitting a few, few That's seats amazing. down from me, you know, it is incredible. amazing. Um, but it's nice. I know a lot of people here. There's a lot of the podcast gang are here. There's a, you know, these things are amazing. There's a quiz going on. They often have a drag queen who dress up as the companions doing it. It's a whole, That's I awesome. think Louise Jameson and some of the cast are signing right now. They've got a model Rutan that someone built for the special effects. It's like a mini long convention. Uh, but no, I, I come to this as a punter. I'm very lucky. I, I can sometimes sneak on the guest list if I'm very nice to somebody, but um, no, generally I'm just here as a punter. Do you do the con circuit at all? Like, you know, I know for with comics and stuff, like you can literally just go from show to show and sign autographs or meet meet fans. Is that something you're interested in? Yeah, I used to. I used to when I was doing, when the audience, every time an audio come out, we'd do a signing um, and I did various conventions, which was amazing. I mean, it was so wild. And again, it's that thing of being a Who fan and also being a I guest. I know, you're like, on you both get sides. Into a lift and you get into a lift and you lift with Liz, Liz Sladen. And I'm like, how do I react? How do, yeah, do I, I do? Yeah, that's a so it's very. <laughs> so the conventions are really fun. And I haven't done one for 17 years. But Paul and India and I are doing one in May. Uh, oh, really? It's sold out. Um, but the three of us will wow. meet together. I think Paul's going to be in costume. Oh, so really? Be, so, yeah, I'm going to be back. Gonna, get I'll out. Get some photos printed up that I can sign and get back into that whole action. Well, so, see, yeah, I think that's the, that's wonderful. That's the yeah. one question that is, I, just people are constantly asking is like, how do I get in to the Doctor Who universe? I know Dan wants to get in. Literally, like, we, no, no, everyone's asking me, how do we get living, Eric in living, specifically? You're living yeah. the dream. It's, a, it's amazing. <laughs> I love it. All right, I, I, I don't want to take up too much more of your time that you've been so this is fantastic. awesome. Uh, you know, not only did you do it while you're out, but you're literally outside. There's people throwing <laughs> bottles at you, I heard at one point. <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've well, it's England. Okay. No, I, yeah, I, very I, good. We should end it here. Uh, I really appreciate you doing this. It's been a right. really Absolutely. Nice I have, before we do this, with yep. my last 10%, if I've got it, I'm just going to say, yeah. so what, um, uh, congratulations on the new uh, format of the Old Doc 2 uh-huh. show, which I'm at <laughs> getting to see it. I mean, this is this is the good stuff. Loving your editing, uh, Eric. All the oh, stuff thank you. Isn't he great? He's so Love good. It. 
Um, and also, you know, you've got, you know, your Goblin song, which went bloody viral. You know, that's yeah. marvellous. Um, what are your kind of plans? And also, uh, I, mm -hmm. thank you so much for re reviewing an audio, having a guest on. This is very different stuff. Have you got any ideas of what sort of shape you want it to go in? Or are you just going to go with the flow? I think we're pretty much winging it. I like I like the video just to be able to add if we make a weird reference that people will be like, what is he talking about? I'm making my lunch. You can put that joke in. I feel like the jokes land a little bit better. But mm -hmm. I personally like I love the big finish stuff and I really enjoy yeah. it. I love that we had the opportunity to listen to your latest story. I would definitely do more of those. The reaction the reaction videos that we do perform really well. I we're trying to figure that stuff out like the, the biggest thing for us to me to, to be watching something but i guess there's yeah. like a mystery science theater yeah bit and they're big for some reason we just uh yeah i think the biggest plan for us is we want to keep having a chance to talk to each other about something yeah. that we really like yeah, so coming back and we would never see each other literally we'd never see each other so while we're waiting for you know the next series to really start in earnest finding these other things when news drops when there's a new clip when there's a new uh, big finish audio it gives us this uh reason to kind of get together and for us to talk and yeah. for all the people that listen to be able to join us too so that's really the only thing that's guiding in, us in, in, true, in true uh todws fashion i'm gonna we were on a nice <laughs> it was gonna end and then i i throw something in and wreck the whole yeah, system. yeah. there was a listener question and i believe oh, you yes. got the tweet sent to you Oh, yes. uh, Conrad, that was who would win in a fight, your character, Turlo, or Harry? Now, I feel like Harry is not known for being much of a fighter. I feel like this is a what throwing Harry in there? Yeah. Harry was a it weird feels choice. like an insult. Like they added, or Harry. Not that there's anything wrong with that. I like Harry. But I mean, Turlo's yeah, well, got the power pop. Angle. Yeah, I don't, in, in, a, in, a, in a fight, I'm not quite sure. I mean, Kerry's and Turlo are both quite sneaky. Um, I, mm. I think Harry's got it though. He's got a big square jaw. He's got that kind of public schoolboy thing. I, I, th I think he's he's kicking our asses. But also, oh, yeah. I, I think both of them are quite sexy. So I think it could turn into a bit of a lie. Honestly, I feel like you, <laughs> wouldn't you just blend into the wall? They wouldn't yeah. even know, and you'd I'm, watch him kill each true. other. And then at the end, you'd, you'd the old uh, <laughs> uh, frying pan <laughs> over his head. So I'm putting money on you. Although yeah, Tur same here. Turlo is like you can't trust that guy. Well, he's going to feign a death, but he's going to be the one that you think he's gone, but he comes from behind and shivs you between the. Yeah, that's Turlo. Yeah. He'll get you. He'll Coming soon from Big Finish. Fantastic, fantastic. All right, well, well, thank you again, Conrads. This you. was such a pleasure. Hair of the Hound, friend uh, of the show for, for years and years now. This is just thank wonderful you. for us. Really enjoy thank it. Thank you so much. Um, I've just got one thing to say. Oh, yeah. Shake the crime stick. Yes. Shake the crime stick. <laughs> you haven't purchased it. Battle of Giants Causeway. It's what, 12 Absolutely. bucks, 14 bucks US? I don't know what it is uh, overseas, but it's worth it. Get into the theater of the mind. It's got a really Absolutely. nice, you mentioned it. I like that if, that it had like that behind the scenes. I guess that's a standard thing that they do for Big Finish, but it's, it's nice. Great. You get to talk to the writer and you get to you know, talk to the cast. Very cool. Worth your time and your, your money. Cool. Yeah. Thank All right. You. Thanks, everybody. Peace. Until next time. See you guys. Bye. Bye. Bye.